We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app miss something from the todd feinberg show listen to the podcast on wtic.com slash podcast oh yeah we're talking about whatever gets you through the night it's all right it's all right because uh, it's how you deal with the pain, the suffering. Jeff's in Rocky Hill. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Todd. How you doing? Good. Extremely disappointed with the results. Mm-hmm. That red wave they were talking about never yep. showed. Never and showed. And I'll tell you right now, this to me means most of the country is leaning socialistic. They want everything for nothing, and they don't realize, guess who's going to wind up paying for it in the end? Well, they don't realize. So they're leaning socialistic because they are being conned by socialists, but they don't understand what the con is. They're not consciously walking down this road. They, don't they think it's, it's a good thing. To, well, you're right. They don't care. They're not conscious of the, the whole risk. And I'll tell you right now, the only thing that's going to solve this, most of the politicians are corrupt as hell right in front of everybody's face, and people choose to look the other way. The only thing that will solve this is term limits. Pelosi's been in there for how long? Schumer, um, uh, Biden. How long have these people been in there? Mitch McConnell. No, they stay a long time. And the longer you're in there, the more corrupt you get, and you never come out. I suspect that's a fair assessment. Yes, what else? They're not there for the people anymore. They're there for themselves. I don't know if they ever were, but they used to believe in America. I, and and they understood what their role was. I don't. I agree with you, Jeff. I don't think they get that anymore. Jim in Windsor. Hey, Jim. Hi. You know, before I go, I, I primary call. I want to refer to the uh, the caller you had a couple of callers back that wanted you to expand your Ross. Yes. Uh, and I, I when he ever said uh, <laughs> that that our governor did a good job, and I'm saying, what did he do that you could call Good. Now, I, I would like to. What was that gentleman's name? Ross. Ron. Ross. R O S S. Oh, Ross. I would tell him. I worked in industry here you know, as a supervisor forty-two years, among other positions. And when uh, I was at working at Pratt Whitney, and for us to survive, we had to reduce costs. I can't think of one bit that Lamont did to reduce the cost of any department. I, I can't think of one. Now, if he was in private business and he went before his board of directors and he didn't reduce any cost, he'd be fired. He'd yes, but Jim, it's a whole different world. So he's in the world of where you're supposed to raise costs because the costs 
being higher is helps you get reelected. So, so I'm not it, talking about the governor. We know. We know. Oh, who are you talking about? I'm talking about Ross. How, oh, how okay. I'm sorry. The governor is a good executive. When and, and that was my frustration with Stefanowski. You know, he should have been running, saying, "I, I wish he had hired a." a research person to point out all the inefficiencies that are in our state, which are got to be a, a million. Oh, that would have been wonderful, I think. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, it's WTIC. I love when people write notes like this. Check this out. I haven't read the rest of the note yet, but I just read the first sentence, and it's great. Todd, I've been listening to you from your first day on the air in Connecticut, and you stick to your facts even though you're never right about anything. I love that. I can't wait to read the rest of it. But, you know, there, there is an interesting point in there that there's a difference between narrative and facts. And facts are really the decorations for narrative. Narrative is the thing that I try to convey, and my narrative is, is designed to, to inject what I see to be the truth into a fake narrative. So here's a fake narrative. We love you and feel compassion for you, and we want to help you. Therefore, we will take your money away. This isn't part of the message, but this is, the, this is what they do to justify that. We take away your power, put all the power in our hands, and then start screaming about all the things that are going wrong for you because of what we've done. That's the unspoken subtext. Anyway, I love hearing people want to argue with me or, or attack me on that level because it's just good. It's healthy to have those kinds of debates. All right, I'll, I'll read a little more. I chose not to call because I don't want to listen, because you don't want to listen to anyone who doesn't support your views or has a different opinion. I'm dying to have a conversation with you, but I know that will never happen. But this little bit of advice I wish to lay on you. You are a great part of the reason your party didn't and probably never will get back into office, but I know will you, you will not even recognize. Isn't it amazing how hopelessly... Uh, uh, unwelcome to ideas I am that are opposed to mine. You bash the state, you bash the governor, you bash the senator day after day after day, and not stopping to think that you're angering people more, uh, people off to the point where our way of aggravating you and your very uninformed associates is to vote for the other guy, even though it's not in our best interest. Wow. That's loaded. I think what he's saying is he votes against his best interest he votes for democrats in other words because i attack them so much he's infuriated so he wants to uh vote against his best interest to get back at me because i don't like those people he votes for interesting amazing how much power i have isn't it eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. jerry southington hi actually gary but oh gary hi gary yeah, I want, so I wanted to say those those letters that you're reading. I want to make a couple points, but the letters that you're reading, that that is liberalism right there. I mean, they can't stand if somebody doesn't uh, totally a hundred percent agree with what they believe in. They cannot stand it because they, they're so used to turning on channel three, channel thirty, sixty one, and hearing insanity. 
that they can't stand turning on the radio and hearing a different opinion of what their mainstream media is saying. It just totally messes them up. So you're saying that there's no validity to his criticism of me? Everything, they, they, they can't make a point that's a rational point, like that caller Ross, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he wants you to, to say on, on the, over the air that Lamont has done these good things over the last four years, when, when it, that's total insanity. I don't, I've never heard uh, Ned even say something true about what he's done over the past few years. Like, he says he turned the state around. It's absolutely ludicrous. Well, what so he said, Johanna Hayes. Johanna Hayes said that the Democrats say this, but the problem is, it's not so much that the media is totally corrupt; is that people are, have been have so dumbed down, they're so narrow-minded, they refuse to look at what's going on in our state. They don't. They, it's like terrifying. They won't look at. Well, maybe we should try a different party because this party's not working. This so. Well, they would first have to see the problem, though, right? They would have to see something they want to fix. And somehow they look at $100 billion of debt that's admitted to by the Democrats that they have spent. That's the money they've spent taking out loans to pay for excessive benefits to lock in the votes of state workers. And that's bigger. Massachusetts has a crisis with unfunded liability. It's got an economy twice the size, and and uh, it's only eighty billion dollars of debt there. It's out of control how bad Connecticut is. It's the highest per capita debt in the country for stuff that doesn't exist. It's just an election rigging scheme. How can you look at that and not be upset? Just as I'm upset by looking at what Republicans and Democrats together have done in Washington, running up uh, $31 trillion in debt. And it's really much bigger than that. That's all they admit to. Well, that that is true. Both parties have done that. So I I don't know what's wrong with these people. How can you argue for bankruptcy? The state is bankrupt at whatever point the lender walks up and says, guess what, guys, you can't have the money anymore. You've got to pay up. Because Vermont is going around saying that he, that we are, have a surplus, when in fact the, the money that we have is COVID money, and everybody got that. All the well, but that. but it does create a surplus. If you you know what the trick is in what he does, and and all the Democrats do this, they talk about the budget, and the budget is how much money are we going to spend this year, and where are we going to get it? Is it coming in? And that's a budget. It's perfectly possible to have your budget be very strong for one year when, in fact, over the, over the long term, your budget, your, your debt is unpayable. You have no way to pay your debt, but you can survive during this period of time because someone, like, if you, if you can't pay your mortgage and you send to daddy for money, that's what Connecticut has just done. That's what you're describing. Ned called Daddy in Washington, and Daddy sent $6 billion. And now Ned walks around saying, I'm rich. I'm doing great. I can buy any kind of car I want. I can buy any house I want. Look how rich I am. But it's an illusion created by his, his short-term budget, not the financial stability of the thing he's managing. But there isn't one single newspaper outside of maybe the water paper or any any uh, news ca- uh, channel in this state that's talking about this. 
Well, they're they... letting them say, and like you said earlier, why wouldn't one reporter say to him, why did you follow everything Como told you to do? Mm-hmm. Why would you follow? Didn't you see something wrong with this guy? So what, do you have any insight that you followed it? How come there's no, there's no pushback on the fact that he did that? He sent, he sent people to their death. Even the woman that was on his um, team for COVID came out in the last month and said he's personally responsible for, for the deaths of the elderly. And nothing yes. happened because of this. Yes, nothing. Renee Coleman Mitchell. No, there's, there's, uh, yeah, she's a black woman who he threw off his staff because uh, she wanted to protect seniors in nursing homes, and, yeah. and uh, he, he didn't, didn't want, want he that didn't to happen. Li- well, he didn't listen to anybody on that so-called panel that he got together. He was over, he was overruling everybody. He was just, he was like, you know, uh, handled as a tyrant. And nobody said anything about that. No. He well, there's no there's no news media in the state, Gary, is really what you're referring to, that that there it's been stripped way down, as most newspapers have around the country, but it's worse in Connecticut. There's so little reporting of news that uh, part of the frustration people feel is there's no information provided about why things are so screwed up. Can you imagine, though, if the media was looking at everything? How, do, how does... Um Blumenthal, go down to a communist meeting as a keynote speaker. He tried to sneak in there because he so badly wanted to speak there. Then they found out that he went to a communist meeting, and he lied and said, oh, if I had known they were communists, I never would. This isn't unbelievable. If I had known there was a communist get-together, I never would have went. That is such an unbelievable, he knew exactly where he was going. (laughs) Gary, imagine if the New York Post moved and became the New Haven Post. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, they'd be done. All these politicians, these liberal leftists would be done. They'd be exposed for every single thing that they did. Yeah, I I wish somebody would finance... Or the Boston Herald. Yeah, just have a tabloid in the state. You know, you just need a few yeah. pages where stories get treated for the insidious things they are instead of like they're irrelevant things that you want right. to bury in a back and, and page. The Post is not. The Post has never been proven to, to be making up a story. The, the, what they say is probably pretty accurate. Well, they're, I always think that tabloids are more credible than the so-called broadsheets, the so-called credible news. I'm going to let you go, Gary. Thank you for the call. The, the, I think of them as being more credible because inherent in the business model of a tabloid is that they're sensationalizing the news. They're trying to make it more exciting so you'll read it. And they lean conservative. But... Already, they're more honest than the newspapers are, like the the big, you know, the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever. The the, the papers, the, the Hartford Current, when they used to write stories, that that they're, um, you know, there's an inherent bias there, but they will never own up to it. And nobody nobody tells the story about how they're cheating us by misrepresenting reality. Frank in Middletown, hi. Hi, Todd. Um... You know what? Here's what I want to say. I think Connecticut deserves Connecticut because we've been this way for a long time. The United States does not deserve Connecticut. Well, wait a sec. How long? When do you put the start of Connecticut being like this? Because my sense from what people tell me is that really it was the best state in the country until until the passage of the uh, income tax. Is that not true? 
well, you're going to you're going to tax my. Uh, I can remember Lil Wecker. I can remember voting against him and calling him a rhino. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't disagree with that. But but when when Lil Wecker was running to uh, put the income tax, it was because of nursing homes and the cost of nursing homes. It was not because of the cost of unions. But. Well, the trouble is, if you give them the if you give them the cash exactly. flow. So he op- he opened the door. He opened the door. Yeah, but he but, knew what, what he was doing. They always give you a sales pitch. No, no, no. Oh, but could you just listen to me for a second? Sure. The, the United States does not deserve Connecticut. We are a piss hole in the snow. We have five representatives, which was, thank God, we don't have a bigger because all of them are Democrats. All of them are leftards. If we were a bigger state and had the same mentality, we could affect the United States even worse. Because yeah, but I, I, I don't get why Connecticut is uniquely bad. Like, isn't California well, worse? You know, what? you know what? Here's uniquely bad. Because okay. There, because not every state, but we have taken over the House of Representatives. No thanks to the uh, Connecticut. We are going to most likely take over the Senate. No thanks to Connecticut. Connecticut deserves to bend over and pay the taxes. <laughs> to pay the taxes that that Lamont and the Democrats and Steebeck puts on us because we're not smart enough to vote them out. All right, thank you for that, Frank. Good to hear from you, Mark's in Bristol. Go ahead, Mark. I just wanted to kind of comment on the letter you're reading, and, and I, I think some of the people that vote the way they vote, my hunch is these are really people that have not lived anywhere else, don't know what I'll say good or, or dare I even call it normal looks like. And it's a classic case of they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what it's like to get a, a low tax bill. They don't know what it's like to have an itemized property tax bill that tells you exactly where every bit of it is going they just they have no clue they're the worst the worst case you can have is the people who don't know what they don't know but think they know everything versus those that don't know what they don't know and they're aware of it and i think we've got a lot of that in the state we got mm-hmm. a lot of folks who just have no other experience living somewhere where it's not i'll say as corrupt and where things are, you know, more affordable, not as uh, bureaucratic, not large numbers of uh, employees that work for the state or municipalities. Plenty of states have what they need and nothing more. And we've got a large population here who just thinks this is the way it is everywhere. They think it's normal. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting, but pretty sad if true. Mark, thank you so much for the call and for that uh, context and and viewpoint. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 860-522-9842. All right, we will play the rants. We're going to do that today. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. 860-522-9842. Simsbury Sarah, hello there. I love hearing from somebody who's, what do you call that when you've got, uh, you know, like two S's like that, Simsbury Sarah. That's just compelling. An alliteration, uh, is that what that is? Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't love alliteration? Those I guess you're Lamont, right. I'm just an ordinary Lamont, American. What's that? Lamp Lamont. I said loser Lamont. Lamont. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, again, I'm continually shocked and amazed at how people feel that Lamont did a good job how he helped our economy, um, and what a great state we are to live in. It was wonderful to hear that it's not as corrupt in other states. I am one of those people that have lived in Connecticut my whole life. I am a big El Grasso fan, so I can't say that I don't love the Dems, but what the, the Democrats have done have pushed me into the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Without this COVID money, um, which is our taxpayer money anyway, yep. where would he be? Where would the surplus come from? There would be no surplus. No, of course not. We'd be in a deficit. I'm on my way to my second job right now, Mm -hmm. and it's infuriating that everybody has a help-wanted sign-out. Nobody wants to go to work. Nobody's going to work when he continually pays them to stay home and to not be responsible for themselves, to not look to be better than their parents were. To not be better than you were yesterday, last week. There are so many opportunities for growth and for income in this state right now that people, they don't have to even bother because he's just paying them off and paying them off. And if I were one of those people, would I want to cut my nose off to spite my face by voting Republican? Absolutely not. But then again, the Republicans have had a long time to come up with a viable candidate, one that was stronger than Stefanowski for the second time. Well, disappointing. The um, you know, part of it is there's just no institutional structure to provide that thing that you're talking about. Could you elaborate? Well, you know, people think there's a state Republican Party. It's minuscule and its resources are small and there aren't people sitting on the bench who've been waiting for their turn to run for governor. It's hard to just step out of nowhere and be like a Superman gubernatorial candidate. That's not normally how it happens. Well, that's true. You're right. The, um, 
the few towns that do have Republicans running um, run, running them, you know, they do beat their head against the wall trying to make things better. Um, and, and it's also very hard to run against somebody who has unlimited resource, just writes himself a check. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yeah, 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 it's WTIC. It is recovery period. Has anyone ever been addicted to anything and had to go through a withdrawal thing? You know, been uh, in an institution maybe for a program for recovery? I feel like there's a recovery needed from from uh, this election. Don't you think? Jim in Wellington, hi. How you doing? Just uh, follow up on, on something you said about... Uh when it started going crazy economically for the state of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, you're correct. Around, around the income tax time, that's when everything started going south. Um, the, the plank had already been laid down. Uh, the state of Connecticut had already at that time started uh, changing the, uh, the, uh, the requirements for state jobs. used to be in a state job. You'd work in a state job. You'd take, a little, you'd take less money than the private sector. You got out in 20 years, and your pension was uh, on parity or a little bit better than what the private sector might give yep. in you know, working 30 or 40 years. And then what happened is this, uh, when, while the state was doing that, the, uh, it's, you started to see, see cracks in the private sector concerning uh, the same types of jobs that were paying better. The benefits might have been better. But the private sector had to cut back on things depending on how the economy was going. Not only that. But the state of Connecticut had the income tax money. Uh, excuse me, they had their lottery money. They got a billion, a billion and a half dollars, I believe, in a, a tobacco settlement. And then, and then, as you went forward, you got the casinos. At the same time, the state was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the middle class jobs that they used to draw from, or that, or, or Weicker had explained it. He had a tax guy that explained it. Uh, those jobs started shrinking. Mm -hmm. And it. Are going away because uh, because these large companies, insurance companies, and whatever, depending on what was going on in the economy, uh, you had such redundancy. And, and, and I worked for a company; we had redundancy to the point where they just kept cutting back, cutting back. And uh, somebody like myself was required to do two, three, or four things. I wasn't getting the same amount, a same amount of compensation for the fact that I was responsible for more. And in the state of Connecticut, they didn't cut back anything concerning jobs or benefits. Well, that's just how government is, why you can't give them the first penny of, of that taxation, why it was, in, it was obviously the purpose of passing the income tax was to be able to accomplish what has been accomplished in the state, and that is to have enough slush money that you could create all kinds of schemes with the money to expand government perpetually. Well, well, they, they, that, that's exactly right. They, they looked ahead and said, okay, we've got a pool of people, preferably the middle class. They've got a lot of money. Back then it was booming. There was a lot of boom going on. They had all the money. They had it. And then all the rules that apply to anybody else in the employment, in employment or finance or for mortgages all got changed and warped around either on a state level or federally so that the people that were actually doing what they were doing and having to deal with cutbacks in their jobs didn't really apply to the state workers or how the representatives yeah. so, were negotiating the contract. So that's where we are now. That's what happens. Jim, thank you for the call. 860 The point is, 
at the end of the day, what everybody has to understand, this is why they do it. There is a war going on between taxpayers and the tax wasters. And the tax wasters want to be always expanding their part of the economy. Not that they generate any economic activity, but they want to justify with fake, stupid arguments that on their very face are ridiculous and are simply a con. They want to use those to uh, buy loyalty and extract more power to spend money on, uh, to, to, to provide the money to spend on buying that loyalty. 860-522-9842. Working through in the order of calls received, Jim in Windsor. Hi, Jim. Hi. I, I, I got cut off before I could talk about abortion. Here's what I want to talk about abortion. I think the Republicans and all the, all the people that believe that abortion is wrong, most, most Republicans believe an abortion with limits is okay. I think that was Stepanowski's stand. He didn't believe in unlimited abortion. No, but he's pro-choice, which is what most people who are pro-choice are for abortion with limits. Most people who are pro-life are against abortion with exceptions. The result of those two descriptions is an overlap that causes most of us to be on the same side of the issue, but the politicians have made it as divisive as possible by making it look like it's a straight binary. Well, let me finish my point, if I may. What, what I'm getting at, we, when there's a debate about abortion, we don't ask the person that says it's a woman's right. We, we, we should be telling that person or demanding, would you tell the audience, you use the word abortion so easily, would you tell the listening audience, what takes place when there's an abortion? Physically, it's described to the audience. You're just using a word, but tell them what actually takes place when there's an abortion. You're and saying I, that, like in a debate, a candidate's debate, that should be asked? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. Absolutely. That would make it a lot. Uh, that that would make it a lot more clear. Exactly. Well, it's, uh, easy, it's easy for a woman that you know, even your callers. I mean, your listeners, the ones that believe in abortion, mm-hmm. are they willing to go on the radio and say, yeah, I believe in abortions, and even as late as, you know, seven months, and this is what, what will happen in the, in the, uh, in the room when, when that person has an abortion. This, this, and this is going to, yeah. they won't do it because they don't believe in it. Well, they and they've never thought about it in the terms you're talking about, so it might actually change their mind, Jim. Thank you so much for the for calling back and and uh, getting that in there. It's good to get everybody's opinion. It's great to get everyone's opinion. As a matter of fact, we've got John in Litchfield next. Hey, John. Yes, John. Uh, yes. Uh, the reason for my call is that I've been hearing a lot of people talking about uh, the Stefanowski candidacy, mm-hmm. and I don't really think they totally understand what Bob was up against and what the Republican Party was up against. Well, they have. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to understand. So if if you have some insights you want to share, go ahead. Well, you are you already stated. You know, if we begin at the beginning, Governor Lamont, believe it or not, was either the number one or number two most popular Democrat governor in in the country. Two. He could write himself a check. He had $16 million in his bank account to run and even more. 
Well, uh, th- that's what he put in his bank account, but then he put more in. Well, he could. That's, yes, you know, he, that's could, he could so basically put, at, he could do indefinite amounts of spending, essentially. Correct. So you, when you're looking at a candidate, you got to find a candidate who can at least somewhat keep pace with that. Yes. And Stefanowski wrote himself a check for $10 million and then raised a few more. But if you had someone who used the state uh, uh, system and got their $6.5 million, you've just locked in. You're going to be outspent two, three, four to one. Yes, five to and one. You're outspent by that much. The likelihood of success is not very great. And in this state, I can't think of anybody who can, you know, any political leader who could raise the money to compete with Ned Lamont. That's number one. Well, hang on a sec. I want to talk about that for a sec because I find it interesting. I, I, I think that some candidates have a problem when they can spend lots of money, that they make themselves um, too attached to this, the money being the answer. Like, if you only had $6 million to run, you'd have to bring a lot of imagination to your campaign, and you would have to figure out how to use the momentum, just like in a like martial arts fight, use the momentum of your opponent against him so that you put him into boxes where he feels very cramped and uncomfortable with what he's got to say. And the money starts losing its efficacy because, you know, people with too much money generally don't spend it well anyway. Well, the, uh, the issue also with, with Ned is a lot of people, and I talked to a lot, you know, a lot of folks, the attitude was, you know, Ned's not so bad. They, they felt that he handled COVID well and, uh, a lot of people weren't paying attention. So you have, when you're looking at a candidate, you got to find someone, A, who can raise the money to get their message out, even if they have to be creative. But you have to find a way of making people not like the incumbent. If yes, well, but that like. was the, so So the to me, the opportunity in the race to make Ned unlikable would be to go after what you just described, to turn, to, to get people to hear the truth and turn against Ned for his treatment of COVID to look at the, you know, the, the problems we have right now, the inflation is caused by shutdowns. The inability to fill jobs that Ned calls a problem. He's right. It is a problem, but it's not a good problem. It's a bad problem. The economy has been so disrupted that there's 100,000 jobs that won't be filled. People won't do it or they've left the state. They've abandoned the state for greener pastures everything is messed up the supply chains the the sense of obligation to go out into the world or desire to go out into the world and make a living the the education of kids the depression in kids the suicide spikes all of it is connected to the grotesque mismanagement that morons like these governors and 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 people in washington these bureaucrats pushed on to the american people in a false alarm where they overreacted to a virus that didn't properly need the kind of response they provided. You make some good points, but you know, I was thinking about, yeah, we, we could have hit him hard harder on COVID. And then at the end of the campaign, they, they kind of brought it out. I think it was too little too late, but the reaction of Ned was, you know, you're right. We did make some mistakes, but then we got it right. And you, yeah, you when know, exactly, Ned, did you get really it right? Hammered on that. That's a follow-up question. When did you get it right, Ned? At what point 
did it get right? Well, pers- I mean, personally, uh, I, I disagree with the whole thing. But in talking to people, uh, that was that was the, the feeling out there. I know, but that's the vulnerability. If you tell people, guess what? Do you know that 70% of the deaths were seniors and... Uh, and and that 11,400 people died in the state that didn't have to die if only we had been a little smarter about how to defend things. There is that when people have a strength, that is their vulnerability in politics. And I think you have to go for that vulnerability and do a little educating. That's how it works properly, I think. Let's try another John next on WTIC. Hey there, John. Hi. Um, you know, I was going to say, I don't know how anyone thought that Bob was going to win this election. If, if he couldn't beat Ned Lamont four years ago when we were coming off the fatigue of Dan O'Malloy, he, he, he couldn't have had a... Well, except, except that he was a first-time candidate. And he didn't have much money to spend. He only threw in, I think, two million or three million, and so it was a much weaker campaign from that perspective. So, right there, you can say, okay, it's harder to run against an incumbent, but he's also better situated because he's been around the block and he knows how a campaign works. But four years ago, it was his election to lose because people were so sick of Dan Malloy, he could have ran no, against Dan No, I, I grant you that point, but the flip side of that coin is that he didn't know what he was doing. It was a first-time effort. Well, against he still a... didn't know, but here's the thing. He's been running for governor for five years, and halfway through this campaign, he had to fire his staff and hire new people. And you go, where's your great management skills? If you're such a great businessman, you after four years of campaigning, five years, you couldn't put together a campaign staff? Well, you hire people, you don't know how good they're going to be. You know, they, yeah, they, but they, it seems to me that you, after four or five years of doing it, he's been running for governor for... Well, no, he didn't years. have an organization. He didn't have a campaign going. He was situating himself so that if he decided he wanted to run again, he could. But that's different from having an organization. He didn't have any staff during those years. He didn't have a campaign. But, but he had the ability to at least put together a team. Maybe that not is true. And he put together that team, and then he didn't think they were performing up to snuff, and he straightened them out. So that could be bad, or it could be good. It's hard for us to know from the outside. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 